Well, thank you, worship team. Appreciate that so much. And as you can gather from the songs and from the, the uh, things that are on the table here, today is our communion Sunday. It doesn't come along all that often, so it's very special for me to be able to lead us in communion today. We'll be talking more about that later. And oh, by the way, I'm Jeff Jeffreyan. Most of you know, maybe, maybe some of you are new, I'm a member of the staff here. And so I've been asked to be part of the 3 to one countdown. Um, last, last week was number three, Pastor Brian. And then uh, I'm number two, uh, Jeff, again, for those of you with a short memory. And then number three, uh, uh, 3-2-1 is going to be Pastor Jim Murphy. And then the big day when our new pastor will be standing here. Um, and we've been looking forward to that for so long. So my assignment was to discuss some things with you that might be good to remember as the new pastor comes. So in one way, it was an easy assignment because I've been a pastor for 46 years, and I have a lot of things that had happened to me, which I appreciated, and then some things that didn't happen and I would have appreciated. So although I don't know exactly what would be Pastor Dave's needs, I could put myself in his place. And so I'm here to remind you of some things you probably already know. So I'm not here to insult your intelligence. In fact, I'm going to sit down on the chair and just have a chat. Now, some of you, no, probably not very many, were alive when Franklin Delano Roosevelt was president. I had a much bigger response, you know, a lot more laughs in the first service, as you can imagine. But anyway, you might have read about him in a history book. And uh, he had fireside chats. So rather than giving a high-power State of the Union address all the time, he would just sit and talk to the people. So no, this is not a regular sermon. I know that, but I, be I believe it's what God wants me to say. And I even, get this, have scriptural backing. <clears throat> Apostle Peter, no less, says in 2 Peter 1.12, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth that you have been taught. So I'm going to remind you about some things. And after the first service, somebody said, well, you know, the things you shared, well, they just weren't for Pastor Dave, were they? I said, oh, no, they were for me. And they were for all of us. So I'm giving you that little heads up too. If you see anything that might apply to your life outside the church, that would be good too. God can, can help us that way. And um, well, just to say before I finally get down to my chat here, there, there's much stress in the lives of pastors these days. Not, not that there wasn't before, but somehow ideas have changed and there's so many views out there in so many different ways Sometimes it takes a toll on pastors, and so I want you to remember that too, because sometimes you can't please people if you do, or you can't please people if you don't, and so you're in the middle. And so I found a picture of a man that loved the Lord this week, and I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure he served well, but somehow the stress had taken a, a, a hold of him. Let's see if we can find his picture up here. Oh, there he is. He said, who said the ministry was stressful? I'm 35, and I feel great. 
Uh, yeah, well, I had to think about that, but I laughed because... Liar, liar. <laughs> yeah, liar, liar, right? Well, I think it was to make a point, which it made very well, aside from the fact that they left off the apostrophe in I'm. It sounded like Mission Impossible there for a minute, in I am. But anyway, we don't want Pastor Dave to look like that when he turns 35. Did, did you know he's not even 35 yet? Some of you did, some of you didn't. Uh, he's very mature, let me hasten to add, for his age, but he's not even 35, so we don't want him to look like that. So I'm just going to suggest a few things, and uh, well, let's just see how it goes. I, uh, I think Pastor Dave really needs acceptance. Um, you know, Pastor Dave cannot fill anyone else's shoes and I'm glad. He has his own shoes. Actually, this morning in the first service, he was there surreptitiously. And when I saw him afterwards, he had his own sandals. So I think he's trying to identify with Jesus a little bit. So he, and that's good for him. And it's good for us. Change isn't always bad, is it? Sometimes we act like we're, we're allergic to the C word, change. Now, not always, but change can be good. Comparison to previous pastors and church accomplishments is not needed at this time. It's not wanted, and it's not helpful. Some people are just longing for a, 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 to go back to the glory days, to go back to the good old days. You know, someone told me once, and I didn't forget it, the good old days are now. The good old days are now. So we have to have realistic expectations, I would humbly suggest, for our new pastor. Remember, he's our new pastor. He's not our savior. Jesus Christ is our savior. And we have a great team assembled here, and he will work with the elders and with the leadership team and with the staff. And together, as God would lead us, it's going to be a great adventure. So don't compare him to previous pastors, Pastor Brian, Pastor Jim, or whoever was your pastor before you moved here, because that's not helpful. He is going to stand as a new man with new shoes on the shoulders of all who have made this local body a, a reality. He might even lead us to new ideas, and we hope new horizons, so that now in the future somebody will look back and say, these are the glory days. Isn't that great? The good old days are now. Well, he also needs approval. I, I'm sorry, I, I just couldn't help myself. It didn't start off this way, but being a pastor for so long, I came up with three points that are all alliteration. So see if you pick it up. The first one was acceptance. Now he needs approval. First of all, he needs approval from God. Isn't that the most important thing? Really, it matters not what you think or what I think. What really matters is what God thinks. And I found a verse for that too. In 2 Timothy 2.15, uh, the apostle um, Paul writes to, to young Timothy. He says, and I, and I quote, work so hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and one who correctly explains the word of truth. 
Now, that's our goal for Pastor Dave, and I know that's his goal for himself. And that's his job. That's his calling. He is to work hard to present himself to God and receive his approval as one who correctly explains the word of truth. However, he also needs our approval. So a good principle in life that I've found and I'm working on, notice I didn't say I've learned, I'm working on, is to always look for the best in another person. Always expect the best and then always find the best. You may have to look hard and long, but look for the best, expect the best, and find the best. Another thought is give him the benefit of any doubt. When you hear a juicy piece of gossip, how do you respond? Really? Oh, I had no idea. Do tell me more. Oh, so I'll know how to pray. Have you heard that? Allow him time to acclimate and adjust. This has been called over the decades that I'm familiar with the honeymoon. Because in some senses, it is like a marriage. The pastor and the people. So... In more recent parlance, it's called time of suspended judgment. Now, that's just so much more refined, but I like the honeymoon too because it gets the point across, doesn't it? I want to remind us today, as I reminded myself, that we're all on the same team. It's not us against the pastor or the pastor against us. And in fact, to state the obvious, it's all for one. And one for all, like the Three Musketeers. You can almost see them if you saw some of those old movies, and maybe they have some remakes, I don't know, where they have their swords, and they touch them together, and they say all for one and one for all. That's what we need here at Faith Church these days. Don't you think? I think so. You know, when he looks good, we look good. And when we look good, he looks good. There's nothing more precious than a pastor and people who are united and present a united front to the town and the towns around us. The Bible teaches that when one member rejoices, we're all to rejoice. And when one member suffers, we all suffer. Take that one step further. When one member sins, we all suffer. When one member sins, we all feel the pain And we know this all too well, those of us that have been around for more than a couple of years, don't we? It's really sad, and Satan gets in there and mixes things up. And we're not just talking about the sins of the leaders. You see, they're easier to see because they're up front, and their life is public. But what about the sins of you and me? Does that affect our church? Ultimately, it does. We think we're getting away with things, but... Ultimately, it comes out. Secret sins, one day, are no longer secret. So that's just a word of encouragement. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Because now we think we're all excited and anticipating, but now would be a a prime time for the enemy to strike again and try to cause division. So I'm just saying, just saying, Guard your hearts. I don't have anybody in mind or any particular circumstance, but just as a a way of, of thinking, a way of life. 
Watch out lest we fall. Have realistic expectations for his family. Um, I think you're good about that. We've been here for four years now this month, and we've noticed that. But, you know, he's a, a young dad with three young kids, third grade, fourth grade, and preschool, I believe. So there's going to be some crisis times in a young family like that. He may not be available the moment you call. Give him some slack. Understand the pressure, the stress that we talked about earlier. And here at our church, we have a leadership team. Uh, Yes, he's the pastor. He's also a member of the elder board, and the elder board is is directly responsible for the the spiritual welfare of, of our church. And I've talked to Pastor Dave, and he's perfectly willing to work with the leadership team that's in place. And then as time goes by and he sees some ways it could be changed or improved, he needs the freedom to be able to do that. So with the staff and the elders and the pastor uh, together, there's no telling what will happen. He is the under-shepherd of our church. Jesus is the shepherd of our church. Let's not get that confused. He is the under-shepherd. He's under the Lord. And so we need to give him approval. So he needs acceptance, approval, and he needs affirmation. Affirmation. Pray for him. Some of you already have. Some of you were praying for him before you knew who you were praying for. It was just going to be our next pastor, right? And some of you did not give up, although some of us almost did truth be told, getting kind of antsy for for God to lead. But in his time and in his way, he has brought Pastor Dave and his family to us. Now, let him know that you're praying for him. Boy, that really fuels one's fire. Again, as a pastor of four, almost five decades, I can tell you when somebody says they're praying, and I know that they are, that really helps me keep on keeping on. So don't just keep it a secret. You know, let him know, not in a flaunting way, but in a humble way. Sometimes a person has even come up to me and said, I pray for you every day. And I'm thinking, every day? Well, if they depended on their memories, that probably wouldn't happen. But they have a prayer list. Some of you do too. So put him on the top of your prayer list and his family as well. Because the enemy can get in through his family. Now here's something that's a very practical We might have to practice a little bit on this. So hear me out. Smile during the sermon. You know, it's not a funeral service. And some people, the looks are so long. After I said this, somebody that came up for communion went like this to me. And that's true, I wasn't smiling. Not that we're giddy or silly, but you could smile if something he's saying resonates within your heart. You could... um, Maybe even nod your agreement. So I'm asking you, we're going from lesser to greater. Smile, nod your agreement, and maybe take a walk on the wild side. There it is. Somebody said it. Maybe let an amen come out of your throat. I I know, Presbyterian and all that, but try it. It will be so encouraging. The first time somebody did that to me, I, I thought, what was that? I was like an interruption. What, what did she say? I think it was amen. Well, I'm just being a little bit silly here, but maybe you'll remember. It's okay to smile, even on Communion Sunday. 
You know, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Send him notes, maybe a text, email. I don't know if he tweets or not, so let's let's leave that to the birds. And a card, maybe a small gift on his desk. You could sign it or not. Just a piece of candy or something to let him know you were thinking about him. Boy, that goes a long way. Never underestimate the power of a positive word. I could live for a month on one compliment. If I had to depend upon compliments, I would starve. Some people think it's not spiritual to tell a pastor you appreciated the sermon. I mean, that's his job. That's what he's supposed to do, right? Well, take a walk on the wild side, my friends, and try encouraging him, affirming him. And not just, oh, that was a nice pastor sermon. Uh, Pastor, that was a nice sermon, pastor. See, I see, I got it wrong, too. It happens all the time. Get used to it. It only gets worse as you get older. So instead of saying, I enjoyed your sermon, which is good, that's a good start for beginners, but maybe it was a sermon of repentance. Maybe it was a sermon of conviction. He doesn't want you to enjoy it. He wants you to repent. He wants you to be convicted. So try to be sensitive to that too. Otherwise, we know it's canned. Nice sermon, Pastor. You said that last week. Nice sermon, Pastor. Maybe it was a nice sermon, but try to go one more step. How was it nice? How did it impact your life? Did you think about it? The best words to my ear are, I was thinking about the sermon last Sunday, and here we are well into the next week. Most people can't remember, or I shouldn't say most. That would be judgmental. Some people forget what it was about by the time they get out to the narthex or the lobby, and more forget about it by the time they get into their car and switch on the radio. But if you would say to me, I was thinking about that sermon, Pastor, and this is, this is what I'm going to do about it. Oh, that is just so encouraging to a pastor. So he doesn't do it for the, for the approval or the affirmation, but it sure helps. Don't underestimate that. So what I'm saying is your mission, should you decide to accept it, because there's no way I can make you accept this mission, I can just put it out there. Your mission is to give Pastor Dave Hoffelmeyer acceptance, approval, and affirmation. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in Philippians chapter 3. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. So he doesn't literally forget the past, but basically he turns the corner. He chooses not to dwell on it. And you know this church has some great past days. Absolutely. The emphasis on missions and the giving, and there are so many things. Not that we really forget them, but we're not focusing on them right now, Apostle Paul says, because I'm, I'm, I'm eager to press on and to see what lies before me, to follow the leading of the Lord, and that's what our Pastor Dave wants to do. So it, uh, don't compare him to other pastors. I already, oh, I think I already said that. Okay, repeat, so you get it. But forget in this sense of forgetting. Forget the past glories and the accomplishments. Forget the past pains, the past failures, the past transgressions, the past, um, what do you call, poor choices. 
and the past failures. Forget that for now. Choose not to focus to live or focus on the past. That then is then and now is now. What's ahead? What's ahead? We have a checkered past, don't we all as people? Oh, I don't think there's a, a, a fully functional family in the world. Every family is dysfunctional. Yeah, yours. Uh-huh. And mine too. So it's just to what degree and in what ways. So we're turning a corner. If I were a cheerleader, I'd, I'd, I'd wait for an amen, you know? We're, okay, thanks. Let's, let's practice. We're turning a corner. We are heading in a new direction. We have a fresh vision and mission and new resolve and a new pastor. Amen. Ah, didn't that feel good? Did anybody faint? I don't think so. Okay. Proverbs 19 or 16.9 declares, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So how is the Lord leading? We are, we could say he's led us to this point and we're eager to see how is he leading? Because when the Lord's in it, he leads pastor and people together. Doesn't he? And the Holy Spirit is not a spirit of confusion. So as he's tuned to the Holy Spirit and we're tuned to the Holy Spirit, we can go far. Amen. I'll do it myself. So where is he leading? We wonder. I found this verse in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. So I'm going to share it with you because I believe it's for us today. It goes like this. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. But forget all the past days. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. To what I'm going to do, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I think we do, don't we? Don't we see how the Lord has brought us to this place? And he wants to do something new. There might be some relation to what was the old, but forget what's behind. What does the Lord want us to do now? That's the goal, isn't it? That's what makes us excited. That's what's going to make the church grow spiritually and perhaps numerically too. That might not be God's plan right away, but that's okay too, isn't it? See, I am doing a new thing. I am about to do something new. I have already begun. Do you not see it? And as we look back and as we look forward, we can say with Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So God led the people of Israel in the desert, in the wilderness, right? There were times we felt we were in the desert and in the wilderness, if we're honest with ourselves. Some of us were more involved than others. Some have chosen to leave the fellowship. But we're the ones that God has called to be here now. Isn't that great? Isn't that encouraging? I hope so. So we are going to be led by that pillar of fire by night and that cloud by day with your cooperation and Pastor Dave's cooperation. A cord of three is not easily broken. If we have a pastor and a people and the Lord, we're going to go places. Yes, we are. So what an adventure lies before us as God leads us in his will and according to his ways. The best days are yet to come. Do we really believe that? They didn't believe that during the Depression either. 
They didn't, you know, there's times in our lives when we can't, we wouldn't even have the faith to say that. But I have the faith to say it today. Is anybody going to say amen? amen? The best days are yet ahead. Amen. amen. By faith and for faith, let us thank him in advance. Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for these words of encouragement from your written word, the word of God. And now we want to turn our attention to the living word, Jesus Christ himself, who loved us and gave himself for us on the cross and shed his blood that our sins could be forgiven, that we are that we are having our guilt taken away. We have a new purpose for living. We have great faith, great anticipation. And yes, though you might lead through some valleys and you might lead us to some mountain highs, may we have that faith to believe that the fire and the cloud are just as real today for those with spiritual eyes to see. And we want to remember communion time for it's uh, a rare privilege for us in our tradition. And so today is one of those days. So we thank you and praise you, for we ask it in the name of your Son and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we come to communion today, I want to take just a couple of minutes for a little bit of teaching. Again, I'm reminding you you of things that you already know. But first of all, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And I'm just going to stand behind the communion table as we shift our focus. What are we supposed to remember? What? Well, we remember the roots of this celebration is in the Passover. So we remember ancient Passover, how God led his people out of the the country of Egypt from bondage through the desert, And they remembered the Passover when the angel passed over where the blood was was splattered. And then we remember how Jesus is the Paschal Lamb of God whose blood takes away the sins of all who believe, the sins of the world. So we could even even maybe picture the blood of Christ uh, around our lives. And so the angel of death passes over and we have new life. This is also a repetition of the Last Supper, Uh, not only the Passover, but the Last Supper. And that's where Jesus was with his disciples who were reclining at table. And then at one point, he takes the bread and breaks it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he takes the cup and he pours it. And he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you take this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So it's a backward look, communion is. We remember what Jesus did for us so long ago, the atonement that was achieved through his blood, and our sins have been forgiven. We are now worthy to enter heaven. It is a past past look, but I have to be honest with you folks. When I was growing up, I thought it was a funeral every time we had communion. The music was slow and lethargic, almost mesmerizing. And, uh, you know, I expected to maybe see a hearse outside when we left. And, you know, that's a lot of it, is remembering what Jesus did so long ago. But, friends, there's so much more. 
It's a present look, too. He's with us today. Do you believe that? Where two or three gather in his name, there is he. He's not dead. He's alive. And so we sang about that this morning. That was great. What a great reminder. Must be the same Holy Spirit that led the selection of the songs and led this time, too. And so we are so glad that he's here. The real presence of Christ. And in the Presbyterian circles, we tend to elevate it as more than just a memorial. We believe that communion is a sacrament, a means of grace by which we can be spiritually fed if we come with the right attitude. If we come open and in an attitude of repentance and anticipation, then we can find life and joy and peace and health. But there's more. There's more. It's a forward look. Not only, not only back, not only present, but forward. See, the Bible says, until, I mean, he says in the Bible, until he comes. So we are beginning to, feel, to fulfill what the Bible calls the eschatological marriage of the Lamb. And that's described in the book of the Revelation. And our communion is our, is our continuing link to the risen Lord. We say with the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, 22, Maranatha. Now, maybe you haven't heard that because it's usually run together. Maranatha, Maranatha. That's exactly what Maranatha is. It's come, Lord Jesus. So we're to do this every time we gather in remembrance of him, past, present, and future. So think about these things. We're going to, I'm going to invite you up in just a moment or two to receive the elements. And um, I would like to give the words of institution before we do. And then the elders are coming to help me serve this. And so you can make your way to the front right now if you'd like, men. And I appreciate that. If you're unable to come forward, perhaps you could ask somebody near you to bring you your elements. Otherwise, I'm going to be on the lookout and if you need help, let us know, and the elders will too. And then I will serve the elders and our, our musicians, and then we will partake together. So if you're willing to hold the elements until we all have them, then we will, we will do it together. So I would like to just say, again, by way of repetition, it's been done hundreds, thousands of times. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and he broke it and said to his disciples, take it, this is my body, which is for you. And we have individual servings of bread out here. And then he took the cup. It was the fourth cup, the cup of redemption. And he said, now, whenever you take this cup, remember, I'm the redeemer. I'm what they were looking forward to all those centuries before. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so when you're ready, just come to the front. One of the elders will have the bread, one will have the cup, and then go back to your seats. And then when we're all, when we're all have all been served, then we'll, we'll talk again.